uh, generate um, how, how you say pretty damn good traffic hello and welcome to the fizzle show we're like the brotherhood without banners of online business we serve the realm of honest entrepreneurs seeking to earn their livelihood building something they care about your hosts are if we were characters from the 1994 movie legends of the fall corbett would be tristan heroic worldly and great at taming horses caleb would be alfred good with numbers and always there in a pinch when you least expect him likely to be the next president of america certainly more likely than the other two and chase well chase would be the bear adorable with brown hair really that's really that's where you put me ian robinson Jeez, louise thanks for that in this episode hi guys welcome back to the fizzle show in this episode we have a cornucopia of answers and questions asked by you our listeners we're tackling topics and tips about managing processes validating product ideas vodka blogs and whether you should use squarespace or wordpress for your website Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 65. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. So let's get into it. Corbett, I, I think you raise a valid point. It's just that I feel like you're a little bit insensitive to uh, the current situation, given exactly. that... Given that... Uh, given that there are zero non-white people living in Seattle exactly. in general. Exactly. Uh, 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 r- really quick before we get started with today's episode, Corbett, we are uh, we are in my in my basement. Uh, we all our drinks are sitting on this book uh, Ogilvy on advertising. I've spent a lot of time in this basement lately. You have. It's a good it's a basement comfortable for basement. You, you know, yep. in this, it, it has a nice deadened sound in general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's a deadening kind of thing. I mean, it's I kind of get a little deadened just being in here. Mm-hmm. So you can't hear a thing. No. Nope. <laughs> Not even a thing. So, uh, tell me, you you read a little bit of this of this Ogilvy on advertising. Tell me what what you've discovered so far. I read two pages. Yeah, you're getting into it. Yeah, I'm getting deep into it. My favorite was um, he said uh, he said whenever they hire someone to be a new bureau chief in and this was obviously written a long time ago, probably in the early 70s. He's talking yeah, about. I think so. Yeah. When so, did we get o- our first bureau chief? Exactly. So yeah. Ogilvy and Mathers was a huge ad agency, right? Uh, and whenever they hired someone to run a new office, he would send them, the person running the new office, a set of those Russian nesting dolls. Yeah. And inside... You know of, those dolls where they, they have dolls and They're of successively dolls of smaller. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. You keep opening them up, there's a smaller and smaller one. And in the very last one, the smallest one inside, he would place a note that said, if each of us hires people who are smaller than we are, we will become a company of dwarfs. Wow. But if each of us hires people bigger than us, we'll become a company of giants. Mm. Point being, just don't be afraid of hiring people who are smarter than you. It's small-minded thinking to think, I better not hire someone smarter than me because they're going to take my job yeah, eventually. Yeah, but, but it's actually a, a pretty realistic, like you could feel that, right? Yeah. Imagine hiring someone who's better at you, better right. than you are at what you do. Yeah. It can be a scary thing. Uh, and you, especially that means you're losing control. If you, or you could potentially in a, in an, imagine in a meeting where you have 10 employees and one of them's really bright and you hired a really bright person and now they're 
second guessing you on a thing because they know better. Now you have to try to be a person that that is at the table instead of a theocrat or something like yeah. that that's saying like, no, this is what we have to do. Yeah. I mean, imagine if we put a canoe together and the goal is for us all to get the canoe across the pond as fast as possible, but you're worried about hire, picking someone for the boat who is going to steal your thunder and you're not going to get all the glory at the end of the day for being the one that pushed the canoe fastest. So yeah. you might overlook picking a Kyle Wood or someone you know, brawny like that, who's really going to push that thing across. Yeah. So I'm just wondering about like, what about, it's just, we're, you're talking about a canoe. Yeah. And I was just, where did, where it's like a business is like a canoe. The goal is, you know, oh. we're trying to push it across the, the pond and why not hire people who are going to contribute to pushing that thing across the pond as efficiently as they can. Yeah. It's like communism though, right? Yeah. Isn't that communism? Oh no! Did you get stuck again? <laughs> Did you hit the, hit the reset I, button? Do the, I need to go hit him people, in the back? Tell the people about when I got stuck. Oh god! So uh, and we, then we'll get into our topic so, today. Yeah. So during our WDS Academy, Chase and I are uh, taking turns at the front of the room. And just real quick, WDS Academy. We mentioned on the last episode, four-hour seminar that we did on finding and and refining a really great business. Idea. Yeah, and we had 110 people or something in the yeah. room. It went really well. Uh, we were humming along three hours into the four-hour seminar. Everything was going fine. Chase and I had been flipping back and forth on who's who's you know leading lessons and stuff. Until... And we got to a particular exercise that Chase had uh, not thought through fully. In fact, I think he tried to think it through fully, but he got stuck in a mental loop when he was doing it before. Yeah. And it happened again, but this time in front of 110 people. It was something along the lines of he wanted people to do an an exercise where they were interviewing each other, but he wasn't sure if they wanted to interview each other as if the person they were interviewing was the audience or if the person who was... See, now you're doing it. It's was, tough. It's confusing. It's the the, it, the bummer was was that it's just a really confusing thing in general. But, but tell him what happened. I mean, what I did. It, it became like Groundhog's Day. So he was like, "Okay, so I want you to interview the person and pretend that they're the. Wait, I want them to interview you and pretend that they're you. But actually, what would you rather do? Would you rather be you or be them? And then he asked people. And it was one of those things where half should raise their hands for one thing and half for the other, but yeah. it was like everybody raised their hands like, and then and nobody did Nobody because like, it was confusing. Nine people ended up raising their hands in total. Yeah. And it, it was just like, and I literally got to a point where I was like, so if you, but then if, so you're going to be your main character, but then the person next to you, because they've heard about your, because you guys have been talking, they're going to be you or, or should you just be you and they yeah. could pretend. This is a. And like, then, uh, this went on for probably like 17, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, at least. He totally reeved it in there. I, I reeved it. You reeved it hard. I pulled the serious reeves. And then he looked over at me. To, I need to wipe my logic after that one. He looked over at me like I've only seen once before, the, this look. And, and, and the other time it was when I was in Panama swimming with a friend in the ocean, and we got caught in a rip current. And uh, I finally started to break away. Like, we had been out there for like 10 minutes worrying that we weren't gonna ever see land again wow and finally i started to make some headway and i looked back and i saw my friend look at me don't leave me <laughs> and i thought i thought it might be the last time i ever saw him again and yeah. and it was kind of you gave me that same look like yeah. i'm drowning here to me it was like the i would imagine it looked a little bit like my my wife's face when when she was in labor mm. it was just this like these in between contractions these like dough eyes of less like she could never 
like dough by like deer dough, mm-hmm. uh, not like not like bread dough. Uh, and I think just, that's what that means normally. But yeah, dough eyes. Yeah, that's what, I mean, yeah. that's what I was hoping. Yeah. I mean, I think so. Right? Doe eyes. Doe eyes. She had just doe eyes like she was overweight. I was like, what do you mean? Like, like, yeah. yeah, there wasn't very like... much, there wasn't a lot going on behind this, <laughs> the curtain. Uh, but yeah, suffice it to say, I looked over at Corbett and it was like, help. <laughs> so that's when Chase got stuck in a reset loop. Yep. Today's show, we want to do some more Q&A because we've got lots of questions from you guys and we want to answer them. And by the way, we're actually making a dent in our question list here. We're getting close to the bottom of it. So that means... Come on, people. You can start asking some more questions. This is going to be great. We're going to answer your questions. A uh, little bit more real time. We won't wait for yeah, months. Yeah, a little more RT. So you can go to fizzleshow.co slash ask, A-S-K, and you can either write in your question or you can speak it in using this thing called SpeakPipe we use, uh, which is then we get to play your question on the air, which is great. Um, we love hearing from you guys. A lot of listeners love hearing you as well. So... Uh, if you got any question at all, what stage are you at in your business? Like, look at today. Look at right now. What are you thinking about in your business? You're probably in a commute on your way to your day job or or you're walking the dog in between blog posts or something like that. Yep. What's the thing that you struggle with? What's the thing that you wonder about how we do? What's the thing that you wish you had a better answer to and wonder if other people have discussed this? Or what's a what's the thing that you're in right now? Let Anything. us know. You just want to hear your voice on air. And um, pro tip. Yeah, uh, PT. Don't, don't, uh, do what we say, not what we do, which is, um, you know, keep it crisp. You know, people are listening to these answers. Try to keep it like, you know, to the point a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, TTP. And, and it's more likely that we'll play it. See, unfortunately, we have to play whatever Chase gets stuck on, you know, yeah. throughout an episode because we don't have filler. We don't I'm have other, the editor. Cause you're, yeah, you're the, and I just think it's the funniest shit. World. So we have to play that. But your questions, on the other hand, um, we do have a little bit of an editorial scalpel that we get to use. So make your question good, and we'll put it on. Make what your question good. Yeah. M- make it y- count. Q-G. Make it count. Put that on a shirt. M-I-C. All right, Caleb, tell us what we're going to get into today. Okay, so we have a bunch of questions that aren't really related, so we'll try to tie into a bow at the end. Oh, the I love it. It's like going to be a, This is going to be a, a what? Uh, a colophon? A, a, a clack. Coca-Cola. Colophon. It's going to be my favorite, a cornucopia of it's my questions favorite, It's my favorite day of, uh, this is the one I'm my best as a, as a chef. I grab like, there's a little bit of old spaghetti and look at this, it's some broccoli and, uh, and a couple pieces of bacon. I throw it all together in a pan. I fry it up and then I crack an egg on top. And I'm like, this is perfect. Now you yeah. eat chopsticks. I don't care what it is. It's but that's the, what I this, need to go grocery shopping dinner? Yeah, it's the best yeah. one. All right, so uh, cornucopia. Let's Corn, go with that. Corncopia. It's a cornucopia of questions. Corn, cornucopia. Okay, so the first one is <laughs> Janet. So let's take a listen to it. Hi, guys. I'm wondering if you have any recommendations for keeping track of processes in my business. I have a lot of processes that need to be repeated. So I go through them and there's often a lot of detail I need to remember for each step. I can write them down, but that seems very antiquated. And what I'm thinking that I need is software or an app so that when I need to repeat a process, I can go through step one, step two, step three, et cetera, and find all of the detail recorded in this software or in this app. Um, or maybe you have a different process you can recommend and you're not using an app or software. You keep track of those things a different way. Um, any thoughts would be appreciated. Thanks. 
All right. Thanks, Janet. Oh, this is so meta. We're going to talk about processes for processes. Oh my gosh, you're right. Am I right? It's the famous PP conundrum. Yeah. We're really going to be, yeah. Oh man. I'm all right. My head's already spinning. <laughs> man. I just went to infinity and back. I just went down a layer and up two layers at the same time. I know. And I'm sandwiched right in the middle. It's meta. It's meta. It's a meta party and you're invited. So <laughs> I think there's, uh, there's two, clearly there are two answers to this question. Oh, whoa. <laughs> clearly. Okay. Let's hear them. <laughs> One is, uh, just write it down. <laughs> like you don't need to, you know, just, just do whatever's simplest. Yeah. And then the second answer is Caleb's going to have some cool app to do all this. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty good. What do, what do we do? Sometimes you send us videos, right? You, you do a screen flow. If I'll do a screen flow from time to time. Normally, if it's something I really don't want you guys to screw up, I'm just like, okay, I'll just record a screen flow and, uh, and I won't even prepare ahead of time, which means I'm making your lives miserable. Yeah, we have to watch it at 3x speed. <laughs> little one-liners throughout. Yeah. You're like, all you could have done is write that down. I duplicate the file and I replicate the headline. My <laughs> favorite is when you send us a whole video explaining how to do something, which is really just a setup to not be wearing pants at the end of the video. <laughs> and we get six minutes through the video <laughs> just so that you could stand up at the end without pants on. <laughs> so productive. <laughs> uh, How long did that take you? Janet, I have so many processes about processes. Oh, man. It's great. Oh, but you did good. learn something that day, Corbin. <laughs> yeah, we, um, we learned a little something. <laughs> that's rude. <laughs> Caleb, Caleb, what's your, what's your gut reaction on this? Where, where do you go to first? Well, when I used to work at Boeing, I used to just write everything down. Like, I just had a folder that had all the things that I did and the processes for each of those. Um and that was just like screenshots and words on those. But then now what we do is we just re- record our screen when we're doing it. And like, Corbett, you got on a call to show me how to do something the other day. And I'm just like, I'm just going to record this call because you're showing me how to do it. So yeah. yeah, instead of you just like going and having to record it, like it was just you were showing me It's a little me easier, anyway. that, it's so a little easier that way. It, yeah. Throw it yeah. up in our, like threw it up in our S3 file. Or it's just well, and when, when Chase does the screen flows, the serious ones, not the no pants ones, um, <laughs> he talks to us the whole time, right? He's like, okay, Caleb, and here's what you got to pay attention to, blah, blah, blah. So it's easier if you're thinking about someone else. You could always just talk to yourself, you yep. know, yeah, for yeah. the future. And mm-hmm. what I did when I used to have my own podcast was like podcasting, Chase, you know, it's like you pretty much just have to do a bunch of stuff in order. And so I just had a few Evernote files for like repetitive things with checkbox lists. And I would just say like, do this, do this, do this, do this. And that also just like dumbs it down a little bit. Cause you're like, oh my God, I have to do a whole podcast episode and make it public or whatever. Instead, it's just like, no, I have to do this line and I have to do this line and this line. And so like simplifying it that way and figuring out what order is best to do things. That's usually the best way to do it. And like we use, we use Asana for all of our tasks and stuff, but we could get really complicated on like the down and dirty of like subtasks for doing stuff. Like we could have a task for recording this podcast, Chase like combining all the files, Chase doing the next step and the next step. But we don't do that. Like it's just like put the task. Yeah, I, you know, personally, um, screencasts are a great way of communicating something that is complicated that you need to communicate to a bunch of people, yeah, and that maybe you you uh, aren't going to do very frequently. Mm-hmm. But if it's the kind of thing, if it's a process that you're going to do on a repetitive basis, to me. A checklist is the best way to do it because 
you know, after a while, you're going to know the patterns. And you're going to be like, okay, just get me to the point. I just need to yeah. know the next line. I don't want to totally. sit for 10 minutes waiting for myself to explain the next step. Yeah. Um, and plus the little Evernote checklist or whatever it is that you use, those are really easy because then you can literally check the thing off and know where you're at in the process yeah. as you go through it. Where you are in the process. Where you are at. Where, where you, you are, are at. Where you, you are in the process. You're probably, a you're phrase so and right. A preposition. You're so right. I don't even know if maybe that's the also a press. <laughs> maybe that's all his. No, uh, I don't even know. This is so meta. <laughs> now it's a grammar talk about processes. Uh, but so, so yeah. But Caleb, are you aware of any tools that actually track processes? There's gotta be. I mean, imagine, there have to be. Yeah. Do you know of any off the top of your head, Caleb? There are. I just can't think of any at the top. Of yeah. I mean, I, I think about this all the time with the in with the nature that our company's growing. Like it's like we're going to need to be able to teach someone how to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- how do we create a new page? On, how do we create a new course? Like just creating a new course in Fizzle, like after it's all been shot yeah. and edited and uploaded to Wistia. Yeah. How do I just in WordPress create a new post? What post type do I do? What's the headline? Do I need to create a post and we, then lessons underneath? Like, you know, we just do what humankind has done for the past 50,000 years, which is wing it. We make it, we make a campfire. We get, super hammered on some <laughs> random fermented thing or some thing that people found out in the woods. And then we tell stories to each other yeah. and we hand it down from generation to yeah, generation yeah, about, yeah, yeah. you know, and we sing songs and chant and stuff here at fizzle. We don't actually believe in writing things down. <laughs> it's a human to human connection. <laughs> exactly. It's a storytelling from the elders to the youngers. <laughs> and it is one long progression of, of a community's intelligence exerting itself against the darkness yeah so it works easier if there's a team you know but you could do it to yourself i do it to myself all the time i know i tell my my inner self stories and my little self about processes i'm a big processizer some would say i have a problem with processizing processizing some call me a processist or processizer i Processes. I'm getting lost in my own. Caleb's connecting again. I know. You could could tell. tell. I mean, what is the deal with Scott today? I mean, we're just trying to figure it out. Uh, So for me, I guess I would say to Janet, you know, thinking about. Damn it, Janet. (laughs) (laughs) Good rhyme. Good rhyme. No, but thinking about this, honestly, I think you might be uh, doing too much work about work. You might be thinking too hard about uh, how how to do this stuff and the the guys who i look at in business and end up admiring most are, are never the guys with the best processes they're always the ones who know exactly what who, who know more what matters and what doesn't and they don't waste time on on the things that don't matter that, that much you know processes i mean if you if you document process it is a time saver in some cases totally if it is well, a repetitive especially thing. if you're if you're you know delegating to someone or you know <laughs> i'm the worst on a va or something I'm, like I'm that i'm the worst at this i have some things that I do once a month or whatever. And every time I do it, it's like, oh, how did I do that one part again? And then yeah. I have to make it up again. Yep. And so it takes me three hours to do it. And if I just had it all documented, it'd be a half hour. Totally. And yet I don't take the couple hours to document the process. It's so true. And, and the, the rule that I've heard, I think it was Merlin Mann who said this, but basically anything that you, you, will, that you will do more than t- once, <laughs> literally <laughs> really? anything that you do more than once. Yeah. Take the time to make a text expander, expander snippet for it, or uh, this, that, or the other, right? Because uh, chances are, if you do it more than once, you're going to do it. A, you're going to do it more than twice and three times. 
right? And so if you have something there, some sort of process Mm -hmm. recorded, then you you're ready for when that thing actually when you need it next. Yeah. So for that reason, I think we should be making more processes. And uh, if there's a solution for that, Mm -hmm. uh, what I mean by that is we should be recording what the process, what the sequences are. Yeah. uh, More and more, so that we have better, you know, intelligence between us all. So we know when we do a blog post, let's have these things lined up. Like, let's have an image that's shareable. Let's my, have a quotable. Let's have a this, that, and the other. My approach is um, to wait until you've done something 10 times so that you actually notice that you've done it multiple that's times. True. And then to wait 10 more times until it has annoyed you enough yeah. to consider making a process yeah. out of it. I mean, And then to hope that it lines up that after you get annoyed by it, you have a free afternoon that you can actually spend. Annoyance is the cheap motiv- chief motivator of man. Yeah. Maybe and the cheap motivator too. It's the cheapness. So, anyways, Janet, sorry we're 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 rambling on, but uh, but I do I like your question a lot. I would say you're you're thinking rightly about the processes and recording them, and uh, go with whatever way is the quickest because we don't know we don't use uh, a specific te- uh, software cool. application or yeah. something like that. I mean, if someone that might know about that would maybe be someone who works with a lot of virtual assistants, because I'm imagining, yeah. you know, you could set up, all right, now here's here's create blog image process. All right, get started here. Yeah. And then someone in the Philippines clicks the button and starts that thing. Yeah. And, and you can, that's true. You can imagine there's they, something and out And then there. they send it on their way when they're done. But the I, that's person. not how uh, how we're doing our thing, you know, so. Yep. That's, a, that's like a little uh, bit of a, like, functional prison I don't want to live in. A little bit. Okay, so uh, Janet, hopefully that's helpful. Thank you so much for your question. Uh, Caleb, what do we got, pal? What's next? Uh, We have a question here from Dimitri. Let's listen to it. Hello, this is Dimitri Tartakovsky. I have much interest in starting blog about vodka. I have a question. It is this. I have been curating content from my dacha in Siberia. I didn't post a link on social media. And I I generate them, how how you say, pretty damn good traffic. But I also write epic shit, like you Americans say. But I feel like it get lost in all of curated content. How would you recommend that I balance curation with full-length feature content? I appreciate you guys and your rich tips. Dos Vidonia. Wow, Dimitri, this is like from Mother Russia or something. Yeah, this is great. Dos, like, dos Vidonia to you a, as well. An international, an international listener. Uh, so, did he say where he was calling from? Uh, he didn't. Uh, so maybe he. What's is the IP address? In, uh, nine. It's like X it's a niner. Y. Yeah, it's a niner. Okay. So, uh, did you hear what, what the last bit of his question was? Specifically? Yeah, he wants to know how to balance curated content. So he's. He's curating a bunch of good content, providing links to his audience and stuff. Yeah. Wants to know how you balance that with full-length feature content that you create yourself. Okay, interesting. So, um, <laughs> And this was, a, this was a site about vodka, I think he said. Yeah, and, and at the same time, it kind of sounded a little bit like he was wanting to start one, but he already had one as well. Yeah, uh, that's kind of weird. It was like he had a serious question, and then, but maybe... It, it, they do it differently in Russia. Yeah. Um, and the internet is actually... It actually, you know that when you refresh a page, it refreshes backwards... Oh, because the other side of the, the world. Because the other side of the world. Yes, it's it, the Eastern Hemisphere. It loads from the bottom up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Caleb... And you got and uh, their laptops have um, slots that you put coins in to get more internet, right? Well, I think, I think in, the internet uses you there. 
<laughs> in Mother Russia. In what way? <laughs> <laughs> so, Caleb, what would you? What would be your response to to Dimitri here? Who wants to Corbett? What was the, the essential? He wants to balance curated content with full length featured content. Mm. So and he's already doing links on social media, which yeah. is a must. So he's you know he's halfway to success, right there. So Caleb, what would be your first response to to Dimitri? Well, the popular thing that used to be done was these roundup things. Like once a week, you do kind of a roundup of stuff that you've found and curated and want to send out. That's one way to do it. So you could potentially do once like a, a week as a curated thing? a roundup post of your featured content. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> Don't confuse yourself. Confuse Mercer. <laughs> okay, come on. <laughs> so this is a joke question from Fizzler Amici, who n- nails the schnitzel or the dust. He nails the know. vodka out of that accent. I didn't know that he could do that. So Caleb said, this is a little bit of a joke question from Amici. You're going to like it. And then, <laughs> and then we heard it. And then it went on to blow our minds. Wow. Uh, how do I? <laughs> I you, can't even get you close. and he should just have a converse, a whole phone call. We could. I could in, be Yuri and he could be Dimitri. But yeah. ah, what a great and it's so funny the little bits in there about curated and feature content. And I like, think that part was serious. I already put my. Wait, what is curated and feature content? What's the what are, you, what are we talking? What he's here? saying is he, he. So do you read brain pickings? Yeah. Ever? So yeah. you know it's like you you read a book and you write a little about it and you link to other stuff and yeah. you talk yeah. about videos that are related. You do this a yeah, lot. Actually. I do it all the time. Even our uh, blog, our podcast summary posts a lot of times are yeah. sort of curated links and stuff. Yeah. Versus writing your own post from start to finish. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, yeah, that yeah. is less yeah, about yeah. links and stuff. So he's wondering how to balance being a curator versus creating your own original content yeah and and maybe we should think about it from the audience perspective does the audience really care if it's something that he created himself versus something that he pulled together that was a good question i mean like so one of the one of the newsletters that i got on recently like it used to be just stephen pressfield now i can't even read that because i i just don't have enough time for it um but one of the ones i love right now is austin cleon's newsletter and it's just a bunch of links Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, look at this post roundup of something of like Paul Klee's, uh notebook, you know, like sketches and writing inside Paul Klee's notebook or or something like that. You know, these artists are a bunch of random crazy. I just love the kinds of things that he is interested in. Right. I yeah. like that. So um, that's that tells me about who he is. So mm-hmm. I think in some ways when we are afraid of doing a curated, and I know this is, this is a joke question, but maybe it's a real question. And to be honest, it's an interesting question because you might find that it's really, for me, if you can get into a mode of, of actually like on, I have a personal blog that's literally just my, you know, farts from the internet. And it's just, it's just quotes and images that I find that I like, right. It's basically just quotes and images and sometimes some personal writing, um, that doesn't fit on the fizzle blog. This is not a priority for me. It's just something for me to scroll through from time to time when I get lost, when I get, you know, uninspired and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and these are, so it's just a curation of, of quotes and, th- and things. Um, and that to me, the, the, the things that you pick are your voice. Mm-hmm. You, you, I hear your voice through the things that you pick, yeah. you know? Um, so uh, to me, it's Maybe not a big not deal. Maybe not as loud and clear. And it depends on how much narration you add to the thing. If yeah. it's just a vi- like, hey, I found this video, it's great. Or if you spend a few paragraphs talking yeah. about it, you know? But if, you, if you're linking to uh, an interview with Dostoevsky or, uh, you know, some sort of like fake, you know, in, in Swedish House Mafia uh, trance song uh, for Greyhound Vodka, or something like that, which is something that they actually did. Like, there's 
maybe two different kinds of ways you could go. Like you could go to like the Russian mm-hmm. intellectual uh, and and then like artisanal vodka style, or you can go like, oh, look at big media vodka over here. So you get that sense, and not that you ever have to say it. I, it's just like with Austin Kleon, I'm intru- I'm in. I'm actually surprised and inspired by the things that he finds and finds important enough to link to. Mm-hmm. That, just same thing with Jason Cocky. Some but, of the oldest blogs however, online. However, Austin Kleon also has his own voice. He's written totally. his own books. And if, if, if you compare this to art or music criticism, if you think about, it's really easy to say, oh, I like this and I like this. But saying I like something isn't enough to convey that, that you're deep enough and you yeah. understand that whatever industry it is. Uh-huh. So... I think you have to go a step further and, and it doesn't mean you have to create your own content from scratch, but even if you're just criticizing or sharing other stuff, yeah, yeah. you have to provide enough commentary so that I get sure. to know, like, and trust you, not just for, we have the same taste, but we have the same taste and you have these really interesting thoughts about why that's important or why you like it. Yeah. And I think I could go either way on that. I mean, I, when you have some, what my rule is, if I have something and I want to say something about every quote that I put on ice to the brim, but I don't. I, on very few occasions do I ever. It's just when I have something like a story to tell or something yeah. that I want to remember that puts provides context for this quote. Because normally the quote by itself is the thing, and mm-hmm. it does it, it. It's like a pill I ingest, and it does it does what it needs to do in me. But you use that you use that site partly as notes for yourself. As well. that, that, yeah. yeah. So this isn't like to yeah. build an audience as much as it is just yeah. to like I'm creating a journal online for me to like. What was that quote by Paul Graham again? Mm-hmm. And I just do. And then you can refer site to it colon ice of the brim dot com search Paul Graham and boom there we go. You're just using it so that you can use Google search on your own stuff. Yeah, I, I, I do that all the time for Fizzle for for ice of the brim. Like, I like oh, that. I know we linked to. I did something about you know David Foster Wallace. Like, what was it again? Did I already do this one? Did yeah. I already put this one You're in? Like, it? oh, I did. Oh, no, I didn't. Like, I can add <laughs> yeah. this one now. Yeah. You know, so uh, even though, I mean, I wish we could play that question again. Shoot, I, mean, I kind of want to. Mm. Can we play that question again, do you think? I don't know. At the end, we'll wrap it up, the whole podcast, with that. You, okay, we'll do that. That'll be good. I like that. Okay, Caleb, let's go to, uh, to another one here. Okay, let's listen to this one from Brian. Hey, guys, thanks for taking my question. So my high-level question is, when is the right time to start building your product? So we've defined our audience, um, found a problem for our audience, come up with a, what we believe is a profitable solution um, to their problem, and have even gotten feedback from our audience regarding our solution. To give you some context, we're software developers, and our solution involves a SaaS-based product that will require a lot of software uh, development and a lot of infrastructure work. By our estimates, it's going to take us about two months before we have an MVP or minimum viable product that's ready to show our audience. Once we have our MVP out in front of our audience, we'll be able to get a lot of feedback and alter the product uh, based on what they tell us. However, this two months is a big opportunity cost for our team. So my real question is, what indicators or validation is required before you pull the trigger and invest the time and resources in building an initial product? Thanks. Wow. Great question, Ryan. I love it. I love it when you can tell when a, like, so Ryan clearly comes from like the boot, bootstrapping startup, yeah. you know, SaaS Lean world. startup and yeah. using all the, all the language, which I love. I love that. There's a conference called MicroConf and a guy called who you've heard on the show before named Rob Walling, uh, who him and Justin Jackson were kind of my introduction to that world of 
of, I guess, yeah, micropreneur bootstrapping. Specifically, these guys tend to focus on SaaS products. So creating like a software app that does time tracking, that does like email marketing, that does like yeah, something, something, right? Which I love. To me, they they fit perfectly between sort of a, a, a basic blog and that, that venture-backed startup world. You know what I mean? Where it's like the basic blog can be a little too me-focused, the venture back world, like you're not even working for yourself anymore. Like you have a board, you know, and all this other stuff, you know, all these hoops you got to jump through. And in the middle, you can be a solo entrepreneur building a, a, a specifically a product, a useful, you know, pay $7 a month to, to, to do, you know, useful, like a uh, get drip is Rob Wallings and get drip.com. And it is an email solution. That's just for like autoresponders, just for like really, really badass autoresponders. Um, so great stuff. I love this crew so much. I love the, the guys and gals who go to the microconf. Um, I went there this year just for a day and hopefully going to be going back again the, in coming years just because I, I, I like this. I like this expression of self-employment. Yep. You know, so uh, the, the question here that I'm hearing is and tell me if I'm wrong, guys. Uh, I love that. I love the way he phrased it. What are the indica- indicators for validation that we need before we can justify spending two months building the MVP? Yep. You know, so and, what do you hear? And I think if you strip it down, I mean, yeah, it, it's software and he's in the SaaS world and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, the fundamental question is the same, whether it's him with a small team of people building software or if it's you uh, with a blog and an idea for an ebook that you're going to make, yeah. that still is likely going to take you two months to write as well. And we say this over and over again the biggest risk you'll face as an entrepreneur is spending time on something that people don't ultimately want. Yeah. And so you're scared to pull the trigger on that. Mm-hmm. And there's this back and forth. And personally, I know that I went back and forth for 15 months from the time that I started writing a blog and building an audience until I finally had a product released, even though I had conceived the product in my mind probably six months into blogging. So it took yeah. me nine months to talk myself into spending the time mm-hmm. that it took so there's a false equivalency here sometimes. I think you could say to yourself, it's going to be two months worth of work. And really, that probably means four months worth of work. Yeah. So, you know, I'd caution him to try to cut down the work even more. Yeah. Try to make it what feels like one month. So it'll take you two. But the false equivalency is I could spend two months doing this and then we could release it. And that's an opportunity cost. The real opportunity cost is spending the next nine months going back and forth in your mind saying why this is the best idea in the world versus why it's the shittest idea in the world and yep. never getting anything done. So really I would compare it to yeah. spending this two months and getting it done now versus not getting anything done at all. Nine months goes by and the partner that you're working with has to move on because he needs to buy his kid gluten-free crackers. And so your window has closed yeah. for being able to do this. So if he had... If he was talking about, I have idea X and I have idea Y, and they're both going to take two months, which one do I do? Mm-hmm. Then that that's a richer question. To me, though, if it's, I have two months ahead of me to get this done, should I do it or not? I'd say do it. Because, because no matter the validation that you gather, and we can talk about that in a yeah. second, no matter what validation you gather, you're never going to know, even if you've done customer surveys and you've talked to people and you're sure about the problem and the solution, and you have a validation, no matter what you do, you're never going to know until the rubber hits the road, which yeah. is there is a, a sales page with a payment button on it and people can click to buy. You're never going to know mm-hmm. until you get in front of them. So that's the whole reason why we focus on minimum viable product because ultimately what we want to get to is just will they buy it, yes or no, 
Mm-hmm. And what's the cheapest way to get to that real answer instead of spinning our wheels trying to do this validation and stuff that ultimately isn't 100% proof of yeah. the future success? And that's something- so what's the next best thing to having a sales page with a buy button on it? Is it a squeeze page with an email? Is it a buy button for $1? Like, what's your... What's the next closest thing you can do? We, we talked about this in the academy that we've mentioned a couple of times recently. One of the ways to get to that, to get closer to it, is to offer services or some live event around the topic yeah. or something just to get people to commit to paying something that is much easier for you to provide so that you can get a, a sales page up tomorrow saying, hey, next Thursday, I'm hosting a live 90-minute session on X, Y, and Z which is exactly what your product is going to be essentially mm-hmm. and see if people will pay 10 bucks for it. You know, see if they'll actually show up to that sort of thing. One thing is, uh, uh, I mean, Gumroad makes it really easy to do a pre-sale, where essentially I don't think they, they, they don't take the funds. So you could say, Hey, in 30 days, we're going to have this product out for you. Uh, in the meantime, you'll have this PDF or whatever. And our phone numbers to call with any significant questions you have. Yada, yada, yada. Um, it, but in order to get access to that, it costs, you know, $25 or $5 or $90 or whatever, right? And then you'll have access for life, whatever it ends up being for those first initial people to see if they're actually willing to buy it. Uh, Nathan Barry talks about, um, he talks about, he said two things in a, in, in a previous podcast episode that we had with him where he talks, uh, there's no, like, just like what you said, Corbett, he reiterates that same thing. There's no substitute for credit card information and actually paying. Mm-hmm. You can talk to your friends all you want, say, would you buy this? Would you use this? Uh, and everything changes when you say, okay, can I have your credit card information? Uh, and then then it's like, well, I mean, where, is it going to be, like, I don't know if I, I'm already, see, I'm already using a solution for that. Why would I change? You know, so now we get to the real stuff. Right. Um, but short of that, email is a kind of payment. Getting them to a sales page that with, with nothing but an email at the bottom saying, you know, we're launching in a few weeks. Or, or something like that. Uh, sign up here for more information. It's a very cheap form of payment, but it's still very, it still costs me something to put my email in there. To trust you enough, this problem has to be pretty significant to me. A lot of customer, obviously, you know, interview stuff, but as Nathan Berry mentioned, like that can go one way or, the, or another. Like you can be blowing smoke up your own. They'll blow smoke up your own ass all day long, right? Uh, until you ask for a credit card. So um, it's kind of interesting. There's a lot of, a lot of things at play here, Ryan. Uh, what I would say is, and I love the way you tackle this, the way, like the process you said, you know, uh, we've, we've figured out our audience. We've, we've landed on a problem it's that we great. think is a viable yeah. problem. Yeah, and we've great. got a solution that we think can really solve that problem. Yep. Um, and I don't know that, that you, no, I, I've said that to myself before when I was just blowing hot air up my own butt. Exactly. You know, I hadn't actually done the work. And imagine if you're trying to pitch this to an investor or someone to come work for you. We have this thing. We think, we think, we think, we think. What do you know? What do you know? What yeah. do you know? And how do you get to what you know? Yeah. You, you got to put something so, in front of people. Uh, the one, I mean, if you're willing to spend some money to get some, uh, to get some information, doing something Jason Glaspie from Paleo Plan did for a long time before he created Paleo Plan was he created a handful of landing pages and set up, uh, you know, they, they were each sort of targeted to different crews uh, with different languages. And then he bought, you know, for each landing page, he had a separate AdWords campaign going to see, okay, of the money that I spend, how many people who land on this page are are converting? And just looking basically at the conversion for that, you know, and conversion meaning either clicking the button at the bottom or entering their email, yep. right? And obviously entering an email costs a little bit more than clicking a button, so it might be a more viable metric. 
Yep. Um, so there's that. But then, I mean, I really, I do get to, to what Corbett's saying about, frankly, at some point you're going to have to pull the trigger and we could wonder all day long. I, I, I don't know, you know, maybe you're smart and you're doing that whole like estimate how much time it takes and then double it. So you might have, it might take one month and you've accounted for two months to do it. That's great because it'll always be the case. Uh, and, uh, but even if it takes four months, the, 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 the thing is how, how do you keep this from speech feature co- scope or scope creep, creep rather yeah. as you're, as you're going through it? How do you make this really, truly the minimum viable product? Like the lowest of the low, the minimum viable product could very well be a $5 PDF on this. Like, yep. hey, here's the five. Here's what five of the world's leading experts say about this problem. Cost five dollars, one dollar for each person. Come on, you can afford this. If people are buying that, then it's a pretty good clue into the fact that they're interested in this problem. They want solutions to it, and you could probably be the one to make the software solution for it. So, so maybe there's an maybe there's another MVP that's actually more M Emmer than the MVP that, that you're thinking of, which will only take you know, two weeks to put together and yeah. then another couple of weeks running that on AdWords before you decide to pull the trigger and go like, yeah, you know, people are wanting this. People are, are looking for it. But to me, you know, if you're not a software, if you're a software developer and you're not writing software, then are you really a software developer? Mm. If you're a painter and you're not painting, are you really a painter? Like if you're not working on something actively, but that's your core competency is writing software, then what are you waiting for? But what for? I like about, about what Ryan's bringing to this is, is it's clearly an intentionality and a focus mm-hmm. that, that a lot of software developers I know don't have. They're, they come home and they watch a movie and then they fiddle with their thing. Yep. And they've been working on it for nine months. Yes. And it's just like a, Absolutely. I don't know, I'm kind of mashing up the Twitter and SoundCloud APIs to see what... But really, they're just trying to see if they can... They don't have yeah. an audience, they don't have a problem, and they haven't identified a solution. So I love the way that Ryan is, is approaching this. And uh, clearly, you're coming at it with, with in, intention and forethought and focus. So for me, I would go some... Maybe what I would try to do is is a is a very cheap form of intelligence on this thing, like a PDF of some kind that answers this specific question in a very minimal way, or something that I could do in a week. I could set up a Skype call and do a thing and have you know an interview with somebody that it supplements this PDF, someone something or other, and then we can sell that for a dollar and see if anybody's willing to put in their credit card for something like that. And now we know a little bit more about maybe what the specific problem is because another thing is you can have identified as an audience and a problem and a solution, but that audience could have anywhere you could, you know, from one to to nine to 90 problems and they might be willing to pay a lot more for one than another. So there's, there's also some research you could do into figuring out, you know, just through interviews, just through talking with them, Mm -hmm. which problem ends up being the most viable one. And then if you like Peldy says from, uh, you know, another bootstrapper guy from, uh, balsamic mock-ups. Fall in love with the problem, not your solution to it. God, I love that line. Mm-hmm. Just love it. Okay, so we should move on. But Ryan, hopefully that's helpful, buddy. Uh, let us know what you come up with and and what happens. Thanks, we're, Ryan. We're curious. Thanks, man. All right, Corbett, Caleb. What do we? I mean, Caleb. Do we have one more? Let's have one more. Let's do. Uh, let's do one more here. Yeah, let's do one more quick one. So this question comes from Anthony Pabon. He says, "I'm a new listener and I'm only a couple episodes in, but I noticed that Chase supports the use of Squarespace." But I also hear people talk about WordPress. Can you give me some tips and kind of a pros and cons on each for an online entrepreneur that's just starting out and doesn't know which to use? Uh, just starting out equals Squarespace to me right now. I, for a lot of different reasons, I can get into the company, I can get into the yada, yada, yada. But frankly, it's just so damn easy. 
it's so damn easy. And you can get your stuff from one to the other when when you need to later on. And it's not going to be like, you know, push a button and everything shows up in your WordPress later on. And it's not or vice versa. But I love Squarespace. I love what I love who they're becoming as a company. I love what they're standing for. And I like their I I, I told my wife she wanted to start up a blog and I was like, uh, I'm really busy and I could try to do something, something, but here, go buy Squarespace for nine dollars a month or whatever and see what you can come up with. And she did, and she did everything herself. Every, I, I, I still don't know how to use Squarespace very much. She figured it all out, and she knows how, exactly how to write another post, and how to add an image, and how to this, that, and the other, and how to format this text, and how to set up a sidebar, and how to bring in her Twitter feed, and yada, yada, all this stuff. Just because it's drag and drop, it's the whole nine yards. Beautiful templates, great-looking design stuff. Uh, so for me, for the bang for the buck, if I could get you, if I could really, really get you, Anthony, to focus on what you're writing more than what your site looks like for the first year, I, I would love to. But I know that's going to be hard for you to swallow. Because it's hard for all of us to swallow. Because we love fiddling with stuff. And that's part of the thing. We That's good. Get in, fiddle. You're like a kid at Christmas morning, just yeah. like opening up Christmas presents. You know, you just, oh no, what does this do? What is this yeah. one? You know, and then never really getting to the point of any of those of those things. Those are assets. Uh, and so if I could get you to go super simple, Text only, using images heavily uh, in your blog posts and, and on the top of your page. Like, hey, here's who I am. Here's who I'm talking to. Here's a specific problem that I have that, that they have, and I'm working on a solution to towards X, Y, and Z. Boom, nail it. But it takes a long time to develop that. That's mm-hmm. why I like Squarespace because I can you can get set up on that in a day, and then and then just try and then just try not to fiddle. Just don't fiddle. Well. If you went with WordPress.com, you can get up, get set up just yeah, as quickly. Yeah, that, that's good too. Yeah, I mean, or yeah. Tumblr. I yeah. mean, frankly, Tumblr is great as well. Yeah, you got a lot of themes to choose from. You got a custom domain. I, I, whatever you do, use a cut, use your own custom domain because that's the only thing that you can actually own, regardless. And make of sure the that platform. whatever platform you're on, you can do redirects from. Right. So if you yeah. if you do your own custom domain, are you able to redirect? Um. You know, later the the content that you take with you, and if it's your own domain, you you should be able to. Yeah, but if it's your it own domain, you can it. always do that because yeah. you can you can throw an HT access on yeah. there or something like that. And if you move from Tumblr to Squarespace or from Squarespace to WordPress or from WordPress to yeah, your you know you know your own custom version of WordPress or something like yeah. that or Ghost or any of these things, they're all great. They're all wonderful solutions. There's, it's just a matter of what's the technical know how necessary to get started. Yeah, and I think I spent too, way too much time early on really trying hard not to pay another dollar a month Me and that was that was stupid come on i can i can spend another i can i can 12 dollars a year i can deal with that you know extra now i will say this though just as counterpoint i i i think squarespace is great as well they're doing a lot of things right <clears throat> my wife's yeah. website is on squarespace yeah. and i love it i use it um however i've never used it heavily for blogging yeah um I don't know of anyone who runs a very successful business on top of Squarespace, and yeah. it's partly just the people that we run with. But I also know many, many, many of the top bloggers in all kinds of different topics, and all yeah. of them use WordPress. Well, now part of that is a, is a WordPress. WordPress has been the chosen for us for a really long time. Yes, Squarespace has been around for a, a little As bit long. longer, a yeah. little bit longer than WordPress apparently, and we're only now starting to see them as a viable option. Yeah, I think they've been in a different space for a long totally time. They totally have. Yeah. Now, one of the, a couple of the benefits of Squarespace, and this is they should be paying for this shit, but um, basically what, one of the things that excites me most about them is they have a store capability like built in. Yeah. You can uh, just, like, when, yeah. as soon as you set up your thing, now you have a store. Now you can sell something. 
You don't need any anything. Though, to be honest, I'm from what I've seen of that, I still greatly prefer Gumroad. And if I had a Squarespace block, I'd probably just use Gumroad's widgets on top of that. Mm-hmm. Just because I, I really dig that that widget, the way, or the way that it pops in right on top of the page, the way everything looks and fe- you know, yep. I like I like the way I handle and and manage products inside of Gumroad. The fact that I can do pre sales and all that other stuff. So um, so that's less and less of a concern because Gumroad's such a strong product, but uh, or option, I guess. But I what I, again, my main intention for someone who's just starting out is get your shit out there and get start your shit out there. G-Y-S-O-T. 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 Get your sh- out there. Uh, and because or, you, you were saying earlier, the, uh, the whole bootstrapping guild, those yeah. people, they say JFDI a lot. Yeah. Just F and do it. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, I guess that's my, that's my whole take on it. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, and the danger there is just that WordPress, especially if you install it on your own server. And then you go, then you go faff about for like a million years on themes and trying to set up a widget and all this BS that doesn't matter. Yeah. Cause the only thing I care about are the words on your page. Yeah. At, at, for the, for the first year. And the only thing you should care about is what the hell am I writing about? Yeah. Who am I writing for? What are the problems that they have? How can I actually be useful? And so to Squarespace them? is just basically it gives you no choice but thirty minutes after you start to be working on your words instead of the literally. Yeah. yeah. And the same thing is true if you know what you're doing, setting up your own server or doing WordPress.com or Tumblr. All these are great options, right? Every single one of them. Yep. But uh, so so and I hate that it. So part of me wants to just choose Squarespace because I know this will be a great solution for you and get done with the questions and start making something and realize that that's the real work. What solution you use doesn't matter even one iota. I don't think it matters at all. Uh, and I'm a web designer guy. I've been doing this for a long time. Uh, but so, anyways, that's what I, Caleb. What would you say? You've used you've used Squarespace a lot. Well, yeah, my wife's site's on Squarespace, which is what you guys both said too, which is kind of funny. And then my site, I completely transitioned from WordPress to Squarespace at the end of last year, mainly because I was still fiddling with my site like years afterwards. Yeah. I think part of it was because I chose to have my site on Thesis. And Thesis, you just end up fiddling with things because you have to learn how to code and keep changing stuff. And yeah. when I was changing from personal finance to entrepreneurship, I like redesigned my site. That I was going to change the video stuff, and I was going to completely redesign my site. And I was like, you know what? I just want to stop fiddling with stuff. I yeah. just want to not have any plugins. I want to not have to upgrade anything ever. I just want to focus on when I'm doing something for my personal stuff on the side. I just want to write something, and I just want to hit publish and have it be done. And so, I haven't fiddled with it. Like I design, I, yeah, I had to design it in Squarespace, but since then, I haven't fiddled at all. And when I do stuff for my site, it's just making something like. Yeah. Making a blog post, making a video, doing whatever. So, like, I wonder where I'd be if I would have just done that at the beginning because I spent so much time fiddling with sidebars and CSS and plugins and a whole bunch of stuff in WordPress that you don't really need. Um, yeah. And that's not to say that you could go WordPress and just never deal with that stuff if you don't want to get into it. But I think that with Squarespace, there just isn't enough to fiddle with. So, I just didn't do it at all. Yeah. I would say another thing for Squarespace is this the 24 7 call on the phone support 
Mm-hmm. Um, I would totally recommend you call the you, you you buy the account and you call them up immediately and say I want to be a blogger or I want to I want to make t-shirts and sell them. Just, which, just pay and be like, all right, yeah, help me out. Which theme should I use for my blog? Walk me through this, okay? So I want to create a headline and I would just talk to them for two hours, figuring through which theme to use. And okay, now I want to set up the sidebar over here instead of over there, and I want to have these three things. How do I do that? And then done, just done. It's great. Yep. Well, guys, I think that's it. That's all we have time for today. Nailed it. Oh, gosh. This was a good uh, a smorgasbord. Cornucopia. Cornucopia. Uh, corn you. A copia. veritable cornucopia. Oh, God. I had a corn on my copia once. <laughs> oh, boy. I'll never I'll never have that thing again. Had to get, you, a, had you to get, get it burned, burned off. off. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I have been Chase Warbin Reeves. I've been Corbett Cornucopia Bar. <laughs> and I've been Kilo Logic. <laughs> So there you have it. Fizzleshow.co. If you go to fizzleshow.co, you'll find every episode that we've recorded. And uh, and a link there, special, very special link, to ask a question if you have one. Go ahead and ask a question like we talked about on the show. Our thanks to Janet, Dimitri, Ryan, and Anthony for your questions. We, we really do love hearing from you guys, so maybe you could ask us a question there at fizzleshow.co. Listen, uh, last episode I read a great intro, uh, much better than this show's intro, uh, by by Michelle, uh, who uh, it was it was the one about the candies, and I was I was the gummy bears, <laughs> never appropriate for any situation. Well, here's the rest of Michelle's review. She says, "In all seriousness, great business podcast, not pretentious. Some philosophy creeps in, but the episodes always have an actionable focus." And I'm never bored. P.S. I haven't read all of these, but judging from the excerpts that get read out loud, some people dislike Chase's rambliness. I, however, love it. Probably because I, too, am a loud spaz with very little filter, prone to non-sequiturs and long asides. Keep it up, Chase. Well, you keep it up, Michelle. Thank you for fighting for the underdog. (laughs) I love that. Thanks, Michelle. Uh, Leave us a review on iTunes if you want to. It's pretty easy. You go to to the iTunes store and you search for Fizzle and there'll be a Jamaican dance hall booty music and then there's three white guys right next to that. And click on the three white, white guys' face. And then click write a review. Let us know what you think of the show. If you agree with Michelle or not, put your own up there. Listen, no matter how hard it gets or how hot it gets, remember that we're all humans. We're in this together and you're not alone. It's not a win-lose, zero-sum game. So get out there and make something you care about. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks. And I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday. Oh, oh, and here's Dimitri's question again. It's so good. Hello, this is Dimitri Tartakovsky. I have much interest in starting blog about vodka. I have a question. It is this. I have been curating content from my dacha in Siberia. I didn't post the link on social media. And I, I generate them, um, how you say, pretty damn good traffic. But I also write epic shit, like you Americans say. But I feel like it get lost in all of curated content. How would you recommend that I balance curation with full-length feature content. I appreciate you guys and your rich tips. Dos vidonia.